0: Welcome to the weekly message from Albert Park Baptist Church, a community of believers seeking to love God, love one another, and love our neighbourhood right in the heart of Melbourne. We hope you find today's message inspiring. Um, before we get into this, and before I pray, uh, I thought what Susan was saying before was uh, really good uh, about giving, uh, and I wasn't going to share this, but I figured why not, because it might relate to somebody. Uh, This past week, Emily and I received some quite frustrating and, to be honest, angering news about a particular part of our lives, um, which last night I I said to my dear wife, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to preach tomorrow. Like, I'm just angry about this particular situation. I'm not sure I'm good in my mind or in my heart. And I woke up this morning again feeling exactly the same thing, thinking, how am I going to do this thing uh, today? Uh, and I went into the prayer room, which we have a prayer room, if you've never seen it, uh, today. And I just, I just sat in there for the last half an hour before this service this morning and um, was just praying. That someone's prayer that's written on the wall asked that God would grant them peace in a particular situation that they were going through. And I thought, well, that's a great prayer. I'm just going to pray for that one because that sounds good. Uh, and then it reminded me of a prayer that I prayed all throughout 2020, all throughout COVID and all the mess that that was. Um, and it comes from the Psalms. It comes from Psalm 31, and it's this. And it's a declaration, if you like. It says this, I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You've not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. And as we sung the songs this morning, and as Susan in, invited us to pray and talked about God who's sustaining all things And as I've taken the time to really sit at Jesus' feet this morning, there is that sense of peace in the midst of mess. And has the situation changed? No. Will it change? Probably not. But um, just knowing that there's a a God that we can rejoice in his love. That in the midst of the mess and the brokenness and the pain of life, that there's a God who loves us and he loves me. Uh, and who frees us, uh, is is really encouraging to me. And so I I just wanted to share that. Hopefully that might be an encouragement to you. Uh, But let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, we live in a world that is messy and broken. And it's really broken because of our own choices across history. The number one being the choice to... Be our own kings and queens, to rule our own kingdoms, to live outside the good and beautiful boundaries that you set. And so, Father, if we are struggling with a lack of peace this morning, a lack of hope, Lord, I just pray that you would speak into that situation. And Father, as we uh, come to you this morning, we come to sit at your feet and to listen to you. And Lord, we want to be open to that. Father, no word that comes from my mouth is necessarily going to change someone's life, but you're the one who makes it grow. You're the one who grows your word in people's hearts. And so, Lord, we just pray for that today we pray for that for ourselves we pray for that for this community lord we pray for it for our friends and our family members as we interact with them over this next week that something about what you've said to us today will just impact them as well and father we do pray and declare that we will be glad and rejoice in your love that in the midst of the mess that you are still faithful no, you haven't changed one bit. And we're so grateful for that. And we commit this time into your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in uh, the Gospel of Luke. We're almost finished. For those people who've been tracking with us the whole year, that's maybe a good thing. Um, but we are almost finished. So This is in Luke uh, chapter 18 from verse 35 onwards today. And as I say it every week at the moment, context is Jesus has fixed his eyes at Jerusalem. He knows where he's going. He's fixing his eyes, his whole thing to. I'm going to Jerusalem to die, and so he's not going to pull any punches. But today, thankfully, uh, he's a lot kinder and gracious, and so that's a good news for us today. So this is Luke chapter 18, verse 35 onwards, and it's up on the screens. It says this: As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when the blind man heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to shush. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when the ma- he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately the man received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since jesus was coming that way when jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him zacchaeus come down immediately i must stay at your house today so zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed jesus gladly all the people saw this and they began to mutter he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything at all, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So two real events today. Jesus isn't telling any stories, he's not using any illustrations, he's not telling a parable to make a point. It's just two actual life, real events that is happening on the way to Jerusalem. And they're fascinating stories. You can picture yourself in the situation maybe. Just imagine you're that blind person for a second. You've likely been blind for most of your life, probably all of your life. And because of your blindness, you need to sit on the roadside begging for money. You can imagine it's a pretty humble way to live. But if you don't get money on a particular day, you don't get to eat. Not a great life situation. And so imagine yourself in in that situation for a moment and you hear a crowd of people going past. Immediately you're excited. Yes, I might be able to eat today. There's a crowd coming past. Surely someone's going to give me some coin so I can afford the bread that, that I need to live on. And he's asking, you know, why is there a crowd here? And the assumption is usually a crowd doesn't come past where he's sitting. And they tell him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And at this point, Jesus has got a name and a reputation. People have heard him speak. They've seen him do miracles. There's been whispers and murmurs around the cities. Have you heard about this Jesus of Nazareth? Stuff's going on with him. He's saying things. He's doing things. And so he calls out, hearing all of these things. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that's a very significant phrase. That phrase, son of David is a very significant phrase. If you go into a Jewish synagogue now, they're waiting for the son of David to come. Right? They're waiting for this Messiah figure, this one who would come in the line of David, this future king. And so whatever this blind man has heard about Jesus, he has concluded that this is the guy we're waiting for. So he's saying, Jesus, son of David, the future king, have mercy on me. Look at me and have compassion. See my lowly state and help. And the people's response is interesting to this man. You'd assume that they would want to help this guy. But it says this, verse 39, those who led the way, they rebuked him. What are you doing? Shush. Jesus got better things to do than hang out with you. Why are you bothering him? Why are you yelling? Your voice is really annoying. You know? And I told him to be quiet. Shut up. You're just some guy down on the road. We don't need to hear your voice. They're rebuking you. And then he shouted all the more, which I think is great. It's like, I don't care about what you think about me, because I need him right now. Um, And again, he says, son of David, future king that everyone's thinking is going to come at some point, have mercy on me. See me for me. Help me. And Jesus stopped. It's a very simple verb. He stopped. He didn't keep walking. He he didn't have a chit-chat with his friends. He stopped. And he ordered the man to be brought to him. And you can imagine these people rebuking this guy and Jesus says, Oi, you shut up and bring him over here. And so he was brought near, and Jesus asked this blind man who asked some mercy, What do you want me to do for you? If you believe that I can do something for you, what is it that you want me to do for you? What is that thing? And he says, Lord, which again is such a significant word. It's not friend, it's not teacher, it's not guy that i've heard some stuff about and maybe you're true it's you are the lord you're the master you're the one who's in charge of this whole show he's saying lord i want to see and that greek word is the word i want to have my sight restored i'm blind right now i want this thing gone i want to see i want to notice the mountains and the leaves and everything else i want to see He believes Jesus can make him see. He believes he can do that. And that's a pretty significant thing. He believes that Jesus can restore his sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. It's the same Greek word, receive it. You want to receive it? Receive it. Receive it. Your faith, your faith has healed you. And it's interesting, well, what faith has he ushered here? Well, one, he, he, for whatever he's heard about Jesus, he's concluded that this guy is the future king that is coming. And because of that, he understands that he's the one in charge of the whole thing. And because of that, he believes that Jesus can move mountains, can change life situations. And so when Jesus asks you, what do you want me to do? He's believing that Jesus is going to be able to answer that. To do it, to make the shift, to change things. Receive your sight, your faith. And that word faith, it's the same word throughout the whole of the New Testament. It's one word for faith. It's the same faith of trust in Jesus and you'll be free. It's the same word all throughout the New Testament. And you'll be healed. And again, I emphasize it again and again, that word is not healed as in cured, like you go to the doctor and they give you medicine and you're cured. It's the word for salvation that's used in the New Testament. So It's the word sozo, that you'll be saved. Saved in the sense of your eyes are saved from their burden, but also saved in the spiritual sense of you have faith in me, you get it, you're saved. And what happens? Immediately, this man receives his sight. Immediately. It's not like a go wash in the mud for a little while like he t- told some other blind men to do. It's immediately, straight away. Not a second's hesitation, it's done. Sorted, fixed. This guy's life is completely changed in an instant. In an instant. And he followed Jesus. Now, I don't want to skip over that because he could do anything else isn't in his entire life now. He can see. He could go walk up a cliff and not fall off. He could go down to the market and barter stuff. He could do whatever he likes with his life now. He can see he's lost the social stigma of having to beg for food. He could go get a job. He could do whatever he likes. And yet what he chooses to do is follow Jesus. I don't want to skip over that. So often Jesus might do a miracle in our lives and then we just go back to the way it was before. Go back to work, go back to family, go back to whatever. But he's he's choosing to follow Jesus. He's joining the crowd that is with Jesus to Jerusalem. And he's praising God. He makes this connection between who Jesus is and who God is and he's just praising God for what God has done through Jesus. And all they're rebuking people before see it, and they also start praising God. There's a sense that they see that God has worked in this man's life, who they thought was not valuable at all, and now they're praising God as well. Not only shifted his life, it shifts theirs and their perspective. That's story one. That's event one. Event two is about Zacchaeus, and there's lots of different songs you learn in Sunday school about Zacchaeus, but we're not going to sing them today. Um, So Jesus before... He's passing by this man approaching Jericho, right? So he's heading towards Jericho. That's his goal at this particular point of of his life. And now we see him entering Jericho and passing through. So he's there. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And those two things are important. I've said before, tax collectors were probably one of the most despised Jewish people in that period of time. No one likes the tax man here. Nobody liked the tax man then. They were fellow Jews who took tax on behalf of the Roman overlords. And they were worse than that though. They decided to extort their own people. 5, 10, 15%, whatever they felt like at the time. So you're not just paying tax to the Roman government. You're paying a little 5% on top. Just because they want to get wealthy and rich, right? But this guy wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector he was the boss so you can imagine it's not just he's getting his little commission from his little people who are getting theirs and he's probably getting paid even more money and so he is naturally not a very liked individual and he wanted to see who Jesus was that's what he wanted the other person wanted to see he wants to see but he wants to see who Jesus was he's heard some stories he's 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 kind of, there's murmurs going around that, have you heard about Jesus? And he's like, I don't know who that guy is, but I want to see who he is. Um, And he wants to see who Jesus is, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. And I can understand that. I'm not the tallest person in the world. If you're in a crowd, you want to get elevated, you know? Um, When I was at the Grand Prix with Cameron South earlier this year, there were people kind of standing on these fence posts to see over the crowds of people. And so that's what he does. He runs ahead of the crowd and climbs a tree to see Jesus as Jesus was coming that way. So Jesus is coming towards where Zacchaeus is. And when Jesus reaches the spot, he looks up. He doesn't know Zacchaeus is sitting in a tree. He's just walking past. And yet for whatever reason, he looks up intentionally and says this, Zacchaeus... Come down immediately. I must. And again, that's the word uh, that talks about necessity. I must. I have to. There is no way I can get past this point until I've done this thing. I must stay at your house today. Which is an interesting thing. He wants to, uh, sorry, Zacchaeus wants to know who Jesus is. And and Jesus shows up and says, you know what? I, I want to stay at your place. I need to stay at your house. If you want to know who I am, I need to stay with you so that you can know who I am. And so Zacchaeus comes down and he welcomes him gladly, which is a great phrase. Not welcomes him out of compulsion, not welcomes him because, oh, I guess i got time today. It's, he welcomes him gladly. And all the people the crowds with Jesus, they saw this and they began to mutter. The crowds are starting to mutter again, like they were before. And a complaint went through the crowd. You can imagine, did you see who Jesus is with? Surely it's not Zacchaeus. Why would Jesus want to go to his house? Like you can just imagine the crowd, these little murmurings through the crowd. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. What's he doing? I thought we we're going that way, Jesus. Why are you going over there? It's a very different response to verse 43. When all the people saw what Jesus had done and were praising God, these people are back to the murmuring, back to the complaining and the whinging and the, did you hear Jesus, what he's doing? In contrast, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, again, it's that interesting phrase, it's not look teacher, it's not look guy I've heard a lot about and maybe you're who you say you are. It's look Lord. There's something about you Jesus that is different. What I've heard about you and what I see in front of me right now makes me conclude that you're kind of in charge of this thing. Look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Which remember, he is very wealthy, right? Right? So giving half away, like that's a significant investment in the local community to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, which he has, if I've defrauded anybody, if I've extorted anybody out of anything, which he has, I will pay back four times the amount. Every one dollar is four dollars. That seems like a small amount of money when you say one to four, but if you start saying a thousand to four thousand, ten thousand to forty thousand, four hundred thousand to a million, or sorry, one hundred thousand to four hundred thousand, you know, these numbers start to add up. And what's Jesus' conclusion? He says to him, so significant, today salvation. And in the Greek that means Salvation. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham and all that means is that he's one of God's chosen people. That he's one of God's chosen people. He gets it. He gets who I am. He gets the adequate response as a result of that. He gets it. He's one of God's kids. And then the conclusion, for the son of man, that's again Jesus' title for himself, No one ever uses that of Jesus, he just uses it as his own nickname. He's like, for the Son of Man came, I came, both in this moment and more broadly, to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus, in this situation, is the lost. And I came to seek him and to save him. Now, how do we know he's referring to this moment with Zacchaeus? Well, in verse 5, he said he has to stay at Zacchaeus' house. I must do it. I can't move on until I've sorted this thing out. But also the narrative leads us there. Verse 37, Jesus passes by a blind man on the way somewhere. You know, in in verse 4, yeah, verse 4, chapter 19, Jesus is coming towards where Zacchaeus is. Verse 5, he reaches the spot where he is and he looks up. And verse 10, he looks back on what has happened And he says, you know what? I came to seek and save the lost. This guy was lost. And I came to seek him and I came to save him. That's what I had to do in this moment. I came to seek and save the lost. I was approaching Jericho and passed a blind man on the way. I came near where Zacchaeus was. I reached the place where he was. I looked up. And I did it. I came to seek and to save the lost. The lost in this scenario being zacchaeus he came to jericho for zacchaeus he sought him to save him i just feel like someone needs to hear that today that he sought him to save him he sought her to save her i think one of the key questions that comes out of this in both scenarios is what do you want me to do for you it's a question that jesus asked the blind man but Zacchaeus kind of talks about wanting things as well, you know. He wants to see who Jesus is. Verse 41 of chapter 18, blind man, I want to have my sight restored. That's what he wants. Zacchaeus, verse 3 of chapter 19, I want to see who he is. I just want to meet this guy. I've heard lots of stuff about him. I just want to meet him. He wanted to see Jesus for who he is, and Jesus wanted to show him. He wanted to show him. He wanted that relationship. He wants that relationship with you. And the implication of the verses is that Jesus had to. He must. He couldn't move on until Zacchaeus had met him face to face and knew who he was and what he did. So I guess in the first event, we see someone who's stuck someone who can't move from their life situation, whatever that is. In this case, it was a blind man. And Jesus intervened. Changed things in an instant. I've shared it before. I was an addict for 15 years. The only way I can explain how I got out of that is it changed in an instant. Instant. It wasn't that I read five books about how to get away from addiction or I went to a class or whatever. It was Jesus changed my life in an Instant. And as I look back and I think about the journals that I wrote after that, people would ask me, well, how did you get out of that? I said, well, I don't have any answers. I was blind and now I see. I was lost and now I'm found. I was imprisoned and now I'm not. That's my answer. And that's not very helpful for someone who is still in addiction, but I think praying like he wants Jesus, if we believe that he can do what we need him to do, He will do what we need him to do. Now there's a really important question that comes out of that. Well, what about health crisis? What about life situations where things are a mess and broken and nothing ever changes? And that's an important tension to sit in. Because the answer to you is not just have more faith, because that is so insensitive. The answer is that sometimes God uses really difficult situations to draw you closer to him. So that's part one. The second story we see Zacchaeus, whose life is a complete opposite of what Jesus desired for him. He was hated by everybody and yet loved by Jesus. Hated by everybody and yet loved by Jesus. The the phrase... He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. You can hear the disdain in their voice. This guy is not worth anybody's time, let alone his time. And yet Jesus came to Jericho to seek him, to save him. And what I read in that is there's no one who is too far gone for Jesus. No one. And I love the phrase, it's not, Jesus didn't say, today this guy has done a good thing. He says, today salvation has come to this house. This whole thing has changed now. His whole life has been flipped upside down. This guy used to extort money. He's giving four times what he just took, right? That is a big change of mind and heart. He understood who Jesus was and his life changed as a result. so as we think about this question today what do you want me to do for you that's jesus question what do you need him to do do you need to know that he's seeking you and wants that relationship maybe that's for you today maybe you are in an addiction and you just want freedom you just want to see again maybe that's your prayer or maybe you recognize that there is a lot of brokenness in your life like Zacchaeus, you've messed some stuff up. And you just need to acknowledge who Jesus is and the fact that he's seeking you to save you. Wherever you're at today, I would encourage you to pray with me. Father, I thank you that you want a relationship with every single person in this room and around the world. That no one is too far gone. And Father, I thank you that you are a God of mercy. We see that in that first event. This guy gets who you are and just begs for mercy, begs for help. And Jesus grants it. You're a God of mercy and compassion. Father, help us to get you more who you are. Help us to experience you more and what you can do. Help us to share more what you have done with those closest to us, that they might come to know you. And Father, for all of us, we're a mess. For all of us, we are like this chief tax collector. We do things that go against your design and purpose for our lives every day. And Lord, we just bring that to you. And I pray that you would help us to know that you're seeking us. That you didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so, Father, I pray that you would do that. Make us really aware of how you've been chasing us what you're inviting us to in this next season of our lives. And Father, if there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, I just pray even in this moment that you would make it clear who you are to them. Help them see you as a God of grace, a God of compassion, a God who no one is too far gone for you. I pray that they might accept the invitation to trust in you today. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If today's message evoked anything in you and you'd like to talk or pray with one of our pastors, please get in touch by phone or email. All of our details can be found at albertpark.org.au. We worship together in person 10am every Sunday at 115 Kerford Road, Albert Park. All are welcome. We look forward to seeing you soon.